Your Honor. Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Oh, it's uh, pretty dramatic. The New Orleans judge, he uh, covers up his son's fatal car accident where his son killed a, another driver because he finds out the guy his son killed is the son of the most vicious mobster in New Orleans. Uh, it's so, problematic. After that, uh, now this formerly you know, mostly honest New Orleans judge uh, <laughs> is compromised and got all kind of problems. Well, it, you know, can't blame a man for not being real eager to see his brain become cabbage on the sidewalk. Yep. Uh, doesn't <laughs> want a mobster to kill his son. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, Kathleen's watching the second season here. Yeah, I watched some interview with Brian Cranston lately. He's a, he's a fairly enlightened dude. Cool. Yeah, I don't know that much about his personal life, but uh, he's uh, certainly a uh, an amazing actor. And this seemed, you know, this is the last the last thing he was in before this was Breaking Bad. And um, you know, you think you might get typecast as uh, Walter White because it ran so long and it was such a well-known show. Well, you know, um, it's certainly not the case in every case with an actor but certainly sometimes especially the really really good ones um that insight into humanity that allows someone to become another human being um i think uh kind of spills over sometimes into uh you know being an enlightened individual yeah not all actors we must stress that But, so how you been? Oh man, we have been weathering the weather. Uh, of course, like that's always like nothing compared usually to what's going on up there. Is everything melted yet up there? It's uh, nearly fifty degrees. Ah, okay, it's about yeah, that here today. Green. They've got most of the tree limbs and branches that broke off in the high winds cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, we've been getting like. A lot of wind, a lot of water. Yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. dealing with it. Nothing, nothing we haven't. Nothing that's completely uh, out of the norm for for March, you know. Yeah. And then we got April. And then we got May. And, Heading uh, into the real spring now. Yeah. I was thinking about the. Last time I was in Dayton, you showed me the, the Indian Mound. Yeah. And uh, it, it got me thinking about Indian Mounds in general. I guess southeastern Michigan had a lot of them. And, you know, the dumbass gringos, I think, destroyed most of them. Yeah, there's all kinds of them in Ohio, uh, southern Ohio. There's the Great Serpent Mount down uh, southeast Ohio. Um town I lived in for quite a while, Miamisburg, the, the Miamisburg Mound. Um, I think, I'm not sure about the other mounds, but I think Miamisburg Mound is like the only one that I'm aware of. I may, you know, someone educate me here, um, that has like a picnic table on the top where you can like eat a bucket of fried chicken on top of all the dead Indians. 
<laughs> Next to a uh, um, a Department of Energy uh, nuclear bomb plant, although that has gone, I think, out of business. I'm not sure how much Department of Energy business they do there now, or if it's all like private sector. It was like Monsanto for a while, but you know, Monsanto, like if there's like an evil sector, like that they're into that whatever sector of evil that is. <laughs> They're into that, you know. If it's a, oh, we're uh, we're into agriculture, but only the evil sex- sector of agriculture. Oh yeah, we're into uh, uh, defense contract, but oh, the, just the really, really, really evil part, you know. Like, uh, you know, nothing that couldn't. If it's anything that couldn't wipe out one city with a with a push of a button, we're not interested. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about yeah, Monsanto? <laughs> well, let's see what could we grow today uh, if it's not some kind of. Uh, toxic uh, weed killer uh, that uh, will wipe out the bees, then maybe, you know, it's just something that could cause widespread cancer. Yeah, they made like triggering mechanisms for the nuclear bombs there. And like, they found out later, like, you know, they had all these like, these hillbillies from Southern Ohio hired into, you know, government jobs. They were just out in the back, like just, just out here dumping this barrel of plutonium. It's cool. <laughs> you, you can just put it in the ground. It'll be fine. Just tip this 55-gallon drum over. Yeah, we'll just dig yeah. a hole and put the plutonium b- barrel. As you know, a metal barrel will last forever in the ground. Every day I drive to work, and I notice one day that uh, the freeway that I drive on had uh, you know, the orange uh, tape and uh, fencing up and uh, uh, then it was, suddenly it was all over the news that uh, there was a mysterious green slime that was oozing out of the freeway embankment. <laughs> Yummy! There was a, a building uh, directly up uh, a little ways from the embankment in this uh, kind of little industrial strip there. And it turned out that the guy had just dug a big hole in the basement and was pouring toxic waste, carcinogens, PCBs, anything he felt like. And then they found not, you know, that had leached eventually through the soil and down to the freeway. And they found the guy owned a, two or three other buildings in Southeast Michigan where he was doing the same thing. And uh, I think he got a year in prison. Man, reminds me, not the same thing, but just the vibe of uh, toxicity and kind of the post-industrial hue. There was this case, I was in high school, forget the girl's name but anyway mom got the entire community up like we're gonna find my missing girl and she made some giant story up you know and then to find out like that uh, her and her boyfriend dumped her under like a bunch of mattresses after they beat her to death down in the basement um, and then you know it was just she was just like sitting in a toxic sludge pit like under like a dirty old mattress yeah, there's some <laughs> stories like that of, yeah, yeah, just 
this this horrid post-industrial decay. Uh, you got green stuff coming under the highway. We got kids under dirty old crack house mattresses in a toxic sludge pit. However, we shall keep going as a human species. Greatest country on earth. Despite it all. Despite it all. Well, the, the Indian mounds, um, there's this Barrows Cave. Um, I think it's Southern Illinois or Southern Indiana. Um, but uh, supposedly, uh, this guy found this cave and uh, supposedly he found all these relics. Um, I don't know, little carved stones. And um, um, it's, it's supposed to be evidence of... Uh, kind of a fusion of the Romans uh, maybe and don't quote me on it I, I could be wrong but the like uh, North African cultures like the Egyptians the Libyans and uh, maybe even the Phoenicians that you know they were in uh, what's today Lebanon they were also big in what's today Tunisia Carthage mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> this uh, is, you know, widely dismissed by conventional uh, archaeologists and historians as, as nothing but a fake. But these relics are uh, fascinating to look at. If, if, if this guy was forging them, then he was a genius. Uh, I'm inclined to think that the Barrows Cave was is in fact uh, uh, real and uh, and does show that uh, you know uh, seafarers from North Africa uh, sailed up the Mississippi and years and years ago when I was a kid my dad introduced me to the true joy of used bookstores. And I used to peruse this little crowded, dingy used bookstore in downtown Farmington City, run by a woman in a wheelchair. And I found this book called uh, uh, They All Discovered America. And it had a chapter on uh, like the Libyan sailors who were the admirals of the Pharaoh's fleets and the Phoenicians and the, the Irish and the Vikings and the Chinese. And it basically introduced me to this whole idea, and I was maybe 10 or 12 years old, of uh, the fact that the the oceans were not barriers, they were highways. And basically all the seafaring races got here. I think there might have been something about, you know, Columbus had Basque pilots, and the Basques had kept the secret of their fishing off the Newfoundland banks uh, secret for years uh, before, for whatever reason, they... uh, agreed to take Columbus. But um, first there was, uh, they all discovered America, a little paperback book that I found then. And then later I, I found uh, Dr. Barry Fell, who looked at Ogham script, which is a kind of writing that's all over Ireland, Scotland, Brittany and France, and it's all over New England too. And the examples in New England, uh, uh, Scholars here said, though that's not uh, Agam script, that's where a 
colonial American farmer ran his plow multiple times over the same rock. And, and <laughs> Barry Falls like, yeah, except I can read it in Agam script. And it almost always, you know, uh, the Indian name of this lake, you know, means the clear lake with many fish. And that's exactly what this says in Agam script on this rock next to the lake. So you're and saying that the pilgrims weren't exactly the seafaring discoverers that we make them out to be. Well, you know, still an achievement to get across the Atlantic and the ships they had, not to mm -hmm. take it away from or from Columbus, but not the first. Now, you know, we acknowledge that the Vikings were in uh, the New World and uh, I think that the the bigger story is yet to be really opened up, but I think that there's a where good is it? Where does that story? Where is that story? Because I have a theory mm -hmm. where that story might exist, um, and that would be the fossil record. A lot of people sure. always say like, "Oh, the fossil record." You know, it's, think of it as something that you know, oh, you see like old pterodactyls and you know dinosaur eggs and things like that, but what we know of the fossil record is so tiny compared to what we don't know that there is a there's a possibility that if uh, we were to go farther you know that we could discover eventually in the fossil record of earth a an entire civilization that was as or more technologically <clears throat> advanced as our modern world today, you know, with cars zipping around everywhere, you know, us talking to each other on microphones hundreds of miles away in real time. Uh, you know, I could go on and on and on. Um, and so, yeah, maybe that, uh, it, it's really like completely kind of like, but when you think about the shipping too, and you know, all the trading that was going on thousands of years before that, that we know of, it's uh, kind of, I mean, it's much more plausible than the pilgrims finally came here. They finally <laughs> they have, made uh, it. Uh, like Egyptian royal mummies with uh, some evidence that they used cocaine, okay. uh, which was a new world only product not available in Europe. So how'd they get it? Yeah. Uh, I've read of, uh, you know, descriptions in ancient Chinese uh, imperial records of what can only be the Grand Canyon. Um, there was another author, again, widely uh, dismissed by the Orthodox historians, but this guy wrote a couple books basically saying that the Chinese had uh, huge seafaring fleets and went to the west coast of the United States, went all over the Pacific, went to India. And he actually ascribes uh, a lot of what uh, was suddenly new European knowledge during the Renaissance. Uh, he thinks that it was a result of uh, information that the Chinese brought to Rome. But there's also the idea that a lot of the hidden or lost information was in libraries in Constantinople. And that when the Byzantine Empire fell, that knowledge went to Rome. And, uh, so let's get to my next theory. Longer. 
So in what you just said completely ties in with this. So I took, um, when I was at Wright State University, I took consecutive semesters. The first semester was uh, Confucianism. Um, mm-hmm. It was a you know a look at Confucianism from a historical analyst. You know, like any college class studying a religion would be. And then the next semester, I took um, the the canonical Gospels, which studied all the Gospels that didn't make the cut into the Bible. You know? Oh, interesting. And I kept in the, with with the canonical Gospels. There was. Um, yeah, there was a lot of references to King James Version and back and forth and, you know, what this made. And, and I kept seeing a pattern in that a lot of the uh, writings of Jesus seemed to me, because all this was really fresh, to be lifted from Confucianism. You know, um, <laughs> a lot of the philosophies, you know, and then a lot of these philosophies are probably like, oh, that's, that's a philosophy that the fucking Vikings had or... You know, I mean, some of these, you know, uh, you know, like golden rule philosophy type stuff that are, yeah, you know, like like every culture has, and you know, treat people nicely. Don't you know? Don't lead your introduction with a fist. <laughs> try <laughs> try a handshake instead, or whatever like the custom <laughs> is. Um, As we were so, saying a couple weeks ago, try not to be a dick. <laughs> so maybe. Maybe we're just going to see the complete uh, 360 here within the next 100 years of where you know Christianity goes full uh, back to its roots of Confucianism. I think it was uh, Grady McMurtry who was uh, one of the leaders in the um, the OTO. Uh, he said, uh, "Why does the gnosis keep getting busted?" I think there's war in heaven. There's got to be war in heaven. Because when you think of the people who they say are going to heaven, uh, those are all the people who are causing trouble down here on earth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, like when I was growing up, you know, all the people supposedly going to hell are like, they were the fun people. <laughs> and... I was just like, well, if that's where all the fun people's at, that's, you know, better, you know, we got to put up with some fire, but whatever, you know, I got to put up with a lot of stuff here in this, uh, this little meat skeleton package I was born into. Um, it's, uh, uh, people who are so convinced that they're going to heaven and everyone else going to hell are usually among the worst actors <laughs> in all of humanity. Uh, nothing like uh, nothing like knowing you're right, to, always right, to to turn you into a horrible person. Yeah. So speaking of horrible people, it looks like uh, on the political front, looks like old Donnie's back. Nah. He was in Waco, Georgia, or not Waco, Georgia, Waco, Texas, last night. I caught a little bit of. Uh, this thing, but I, I shouldn't say he's back because what I heard was just like, just like 45 minutes of nonstop dribble whining about, uh, he's talking all about his problems, not about everybody else's. Oh, he always does. Yeah. Well, what I've really gotten to is 
what's the country going to be like when he's gone? Because all the people who love him and adore him and are willing to follow him, you know, to <laughs> in into civil war or worse, uh, once he's gone, it seems like, you know, a guy like Ron DeSantis is a whole lot smarter and a whole lot more energetic now has been shown what the possibilities are just how easy it will be to grab the levers of power and uh to really establish a, a Nazi never let go never let go i think trump today understands you know if he knew if he knew during his four years in office what he knows now he would he would uh, grab total control and purge anyone that would stand against him. And he would be God emperor for life. And I think that's why the big money in this country will never allow him back into power uh, because they got everything they wanted from him in the four years he was in. And I think they saw that uh, another four years was gonna be detrimental to their interests. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, it's going to be very interesting um, to see how that breaks down on their side. There's there are some people who are uh, you know on the Republican side who are uh, I can't think of, was it the governor of South Dakota? Anyway, I forget. Who oh, was, but maybe she was from she Colorado. Not was not the governor of South Dakota. Anyway, there's someone who like. Uh, just goes on like comedic rants against like the uh, MAGA people uh, and it's really funny I'll have to look her up but yeah it's, it's uh we're getting like getting pretty soon here we'll be a couple years and it's gonna start getting thick and then that we'll be in the thick of a presidential election and we'll all wish that it would just all fucking go away <laughs> my friend made a really interesting observation the other day and I I, I, I have to admit he's right I think it's terrible for our country but he said basically you know people living in the rural counties of ohio have seen no common interest with people living downtown in big cities and there's a sharp divide between republican and democrat parties and there's really no common ground for any discussions the the two groups and my response to him was, yeah, you know, you're probably right, but it's 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 very, very bad for America because I would argue you know, there's a lot so of divided. I, I, would, I would argue that there's a lot of common ground and that like people are just I hope so. people are just being like uh, getting bamboozled into thinking there's not go to like go to a uh, OK, say a Middletown, Ohio or or smaller, right? And you're gonna see the Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you know, the, uh, am I in Detroit? No, you're in Middletown, Ohio. It's just like abandoned houses here. Or you can go to, to a, you know, a town like Camden, Ohio, which is close to us. It's probably I don't know a couple thousand people, and uh -huh. their gro their grocery store just closed down. They got problems with, you know, addiction. The all the same, all these same problems in rural America that's getting people pissed off and, and saying like, hey, Donald Trump's our 
he's gonna fix the things with the magic wand he has. Uh, yeah, he, they're the same. They're the same things that someone who lives in an inner city is experiencing. That, that it's go that, like a city like Dayton or Detroit, where uh, you know they're they're dealing with petty crime. They're dealing with you know. It was amazing uh, when I was out uh, in Eaton, Ohio, in 2016. I was talking to a lot of different people in Eaton, Ohio, which is a small town about 3,000 people 15 minutes from the Indiana border across from Richmond Indiana and I swore to God I'm like it's this East Dayton because like everyone was uh, everyone was bitching but goddamn junkies around here break into your car you know it was like the the number one complaint everyone had and I was like well this is the same complaint they have <laughs> over in the in the city you know and then so I don't understand like where the, uh, I mean, I, you know, maybe if you're like a rich, uh, you own like a hundred thousand acres cattle farm and you know, uh, you're getting whatever hassle from the local, uh, farm. I don't know, but the similarities are much more, uh, they're much more similar than anyone's willing to admit. So I, I would reject that premise that like, you know, I hope you're right. If someone could, like, if someone could like create that, like, hey, look, folks, all these problems you complain about here, uh, lack of ability, their lack of uh, like shopping, food shopping, you know, uh, just like I said, Camden, Ohio, that's someplace close to me, so I know uh, they have no grocery store now. Um, that's a situation in all kinds of neighborhoods and cities. I mean, it has been for years. Um, amenities and the, you know, they have problems with infrastructure. It's all it's all the same problems because it's all being emanating from the same system. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and they try to make everyone think that like uh, city culture is like, oh, it's just so different. Like most people in the cities are like, you know, working stiffs, uh, pretty sure. conser pretty conservative uh, in their life. You know, kind of people you might find at a sports bar. Um, you know, and the what you would consider like um, more of the flamboyant culture is not is a small minority. You know, um, the Fox News, but, the, but that the is like Republican Party. Yeah. No, I was just going to add, but like. So some of these you know, cultures, you know, like the LGBTQ community, and they're, you know, the cities are a place where they're tolerated and people aren't like, you know, it's a good place to be. And you, they could be that way out in rural areas too. If, if they were as live and let live as they said they were, um, yeah, you could, you know, okay. If you want to wear attitude. a dress and, and uh, drive your tractor, go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Don't bother me. <laughs> the people, there are people out there who are trying to profit and exploit divisions Always. in society and make them for their own benefit. Uh, some political benefit, some financial benefit. There are those who stoke hatred based on racism. Rage grifters. Are, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the drumbeat that Fox News sounds constantly is this supposed culture war they've invented. And uh, they, I think, try to uh, 
you know, pass off that uh, rural folks and city folks just have this uh, uh, unbridgeable divide, and they, they there's a big dose of racism in there. There's a big dose of uh, homophobia in there. Um, well, the racism I, and the I homophobia of, uh, are the things that like kind of prop up uh, the divide thing, but. There's no more like percentage of the population in cities that are gay than there is in rural America. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's be, all constructed BS to try to drive money and power. Um, but there really isn't. Sorry if someone gets mad at me for saying this. You know, so what? It's it's totally true. Like we're, we're a multicultural I, society, and and I grew up. Yeah, I. Yeah, I grew up in Appala Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia, and the Dayton, Ohio region. So I know urbanity. I've lived in Cincinnati. I've visited many, many cities, stayed in them, been in the country area. I know it's there's not that big of a difference. It's just all constructed BS. That's comforting. That's good. Um, you know, it, uh, it's hopeful. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who like are really out on like the a limb on either side just they just get so much more attention, you know. But you know they're 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 suffering from the same things in the world. It's like Finn, Finn, Finn. Like Finn maybe you have to go outside and see your girlfriend. Cupcake. Cupcake <laughs> at the phone. <laughs> He's been looking for her. The weather's been bad. She hasn't been out. Suddenly it got sunny today and she's out at the fence. The, the two of them like to snarl each other. <laughs> they run up and down the fence for a good 20 seconds, just all teeth and hairy eyeballs. And then they each trot off. They're so happy that they've proved to the whole world that they're the two meanest junkyard dogs anywhere. And, you know, he's, eight pounds, he's about the same size. Kind of, kind of a metaphor for the upcoming uh, elections. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're all really not so different after. Yeah, all these differences. I think, you know, like, there's really... This is, like, uh, hard to uh, for a lot of people to, to digest. But I don't think there's anything such thing... There's a, I don't even, like, think there's a such thing as different peoples. You know, yeah, we have different uh, um, places and like different, uh, you know, physical features that are developed within populations. Um, that's, that's, that's mostly because, uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Seclusion, you know, that we're not mixing with other people. Um, well, that, but that but, almost, but all everything's made up. The religions and belief systems and cultures really were just meat skeletons with funny hair growing out of funny places. It's <laughs> it's stinky after a while. We got to soak down. But anything else beyond that is just shit that we made up. And like, oh look, I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Zoroastrian. It's just stuff we made up about ourselves or, oh, those are the such and such people or, you know, those, are, it's all just stuff you made up. It's easy to try to pretend there's 
bigger differences between us than there really are. It uh, is. It's totally true. It's just differences or any aspect of cultural differences. Uh, yeah, that uh, common ground of we're all humans. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all meat there. skeletons on this strange interplanetary spinning life globe that like no one even knows what the hell it really is um and that my domesticated primates who yeah didn't uh, seem to be given the operating manual yeah so if anyone tries to convince you that you need to spend your life like making this some certain way or do tell them to fuck off Labeling <laughs> yeah. is another another big piece of it, right? Be have, good to your kind. Be put labels good kind on everybody. See, this oh, person yeah. is that, or this person is something else. Well, that's in a capitalistic society where um, we're uh, given the identity of whatever thing we do during the day to make money. So, you know, you may be a, uh, a published author in forty languages, but. You know, if you operate a garage, uh, a transmission clinic during the day, then uh, you're doc transmission clinic. <laughs> it's true though, yeah. But I don't, I don't know what to call myself. I've, I've had to do so many different things, you know, over a lifetime. I think that's that's probably the main change for myself and my parents' generation, where they all kind of kept like one gig and like thought of themselves you know generation x you gotta be able to reinvent yourself uh, yeah we had to reinvent myself about four or five times at least and Mm -hmm. i might again (laughs) sure uh, but then again there's somewhat there's a little bit of uh, liberation in being able to reinvent yourself as to you know staying on the straight and narrow path constantly Plus, to be truly human, right, is to be able to be able to really reinvent yourself, be able to uh, overcome uh, traumas, and uh, be able to uh, renew yourself in a new direction and get past something instead of dwelling on it forever, instead of being trapped in it. The only way that I think is feasible, at least from like a, uh, to dwell on things in the past, you got to have a flux capacitor and a DeLorean. <laughs> if you don't have a flux capacitor and a DeLorean, then you can't go back to the past or go back to the future from the past. So until, you, until we have the flux capacitor and DeLoreans available for the general public, don't worry. Just try to make yourself better from uh, your uh, doof-ups. Bless you. Cannot be haunted by the past or condemned to relive it. Must be able to learn the lessons of our mistakes and uh, go on to be able to stay in the present, uh, not future trip, and uh, be okay in the here and now i think that's all because that's all we got and that's all we've ever had and that's all we ever will have we will have future that's not 
not that you know you don't buy a coat uh in the winter you can plan for the yeah in fact you have to as you see the cold weather coming on and you don't have a coat go buy one uh or procure (laughs) one that's a good idea spring's coming yeah plan ahead just don't don't be constantly obsessed about it just do your thing it'll be okay yeah, so I, I broke down my big news this week. Uh, and once again, we didn't get the Lonnie Mac, but this will be a good lead-in for the next time we can talk about Lonnie Mac. This will be the uh, That'll the, be great, great. the great Lonnie Mac tease of 23. Uh, but I broke down and bought a lap steel guitar uh, this week. Fantastic. And a, and a whole outfit. For All right. The, the pedals and... Well, it's not a lap pedal steel, because that's way too intimidating. Um, because I started looking into that. I mean, I love the sound, but those are you got to do both hands, right? Your fingers and your knees and your feet. So you got six different things going on at once. And I'm too old for that. Like a lap steel, there's basically you got the hand and then you know you're picking uh, with one and using a slide bar on them. Yeah. Sounds like a better place to start. Maybe yes. you graduate up to the. If I become an expert lap. at the lap steel, perhaps I might take a gander at the, the pedal steel. But they're also like really big, clunky instruments too. So I don't think I'm too interested in that. Very plus, cool. Like, what six things? You know, Jesus. You know, a couple <laughs> a couple things is plenty for me. Like even six different uh, you know body parts syncopated for what I'm doing. <laughs> I do have great Baby respect steps. for them, though. I have great respect for them. Anybody who can play lap steel is a master in my mind. Anyway, we're getting on Magic. the last minute here, and uh, thanks for stopping in today. Great talking to you, as always. Look you forward too. to next time in Lonnie Mac. And I hope the weather gets a little bit better. Um, like I said, we've had our wind storms, you've had our cold, but spring is here, the flowers are out, and the bees are buzzing, so there's hope anew until we lose it next October. Hope springs eternal. All right. Well, you take All care, right. my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye.